Our brand new series today is entitled, uh, sermon series is entitled Refresh. And we're going to title the message, the first installment of that message today, uh, Running on Empty. I think a lot of you can understand what I mean when I say that, and you'll, we'll talk more about it as we move forward. But this series is in the season where there is a great anticipation, as many of us will be uh, spending time um, out of town with families and people that we love. We have Thanksgiving uh, coming right around the corner, followed uh, by Christmas. This is a time of giving. It's a time of forgiving. It's a season of love and joy. And so I want this series to help believers to maximize their spiritual health and to fully enjoy this season that God is giving to us. So I want you to think about this series as something that will uh, encourage you, something that will build you up, something that will help you to keep and maintain the right focus as you move forward. But I want to start this series with a question. Has anyone ever run out of gas? Can I see a show of hands? Wow, that's almost everybody in the room who drives. I saw some kids raise their hand. I know. Lord, help us. Uh, thank God I ran out of gas. But a car doesn't automatically run out of gas. You know, there's this thing that's embedded within the dashboard of a car called a fuel gauge or a gas gauge. And it normally tells us how much gas we have left in the tank. But on that gauge, there are a little bit of, there's some markers there. And when you get right, and even it gets to a point that if you have a newer car, when you get within like a, a quarter of a tank or something like that, you, you know, you'll even get these big red indicators, these big lights that tell you it is time to gas up. And in my car, the car we just purchased not too long ago, it even tells you exactly how many miles that you have to go, uh, you know, before you run out of gas. And the car is almost saying that if you run out of gas, you're just, you know, I'll just leave it there. But uh, running out of gas means that we purpose, purposely ignore the warnings. Yeah, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, how many of us from time to time, you know, you on the way to work, you probably pass 15 gas stations. And you kept saying to yourself, man, you know what? I'm busy. You know, I don't have time. You just kept procrastinating. Hey, I'll stop and get some gas later on the day. And, and, and you just keep on going and going and going. And then you get busy. You forget to gas up because you just ignore the warning signs. You, you even seen that little light that kind of tells you. And you look at it and you think, man, I'm going to see just how far I can push it until you crash and you burn. Then you find yourself on the side of a road. and You're calling somebody and you're talking to somebody as if, how could this have happened to me? <laughs> because you ignored the warning signs. And many of us, and I believe it's the same way with us in the spirit. Many of us feel spiritually drained. I want you to listen to me now. Tired spiritually because we ignore the warning signs that are always there. I said something earlier, and I really want you to understand this. It is not God's will that you be spiritually drained. I'm going to show you that here in a moment. 
If you're sitting here today, you're just spiritually dead. And you know that you're spiritually drained. It affects your emotion. It affects every part of your being. It's not God's will that you be that way. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Satisfaction. There's a constant flow that is available to all of us if we can latch on to it. But we ignore the warning signs. We ignore the, the whispers of God saying, slow down, come away with me, worship me, meditate in my word, come be in my presence. But just like it is when we're ignoring the gas stations, we just keep going and we say, God, I'll get to it. All right now, God, I don't have time. And you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going until finally you find yourself crashing and burning. Now, what we make the mistake of doing, and I may be getting ahead of myself, is usually when we get to that point, the first thought process is, man, I just need to just drop everything. We start thinking about things we can drop off. And usually, usually when we drop off something, we always pick up something else. Y'all do realize that, right? So you drop one thing, you pick up another thing. And here's what the problem is. If you're not careful, you could continue the rest of your Christian life dropping, picking up stuff, uh, you know, having a good time, enjoying it for a while, for a season. And then it's like, oh, and then you get back to that point because that's not the real problem in the first place. Let me let me show you what I mean. See, we have mistaken being busy for God as being quality time spent with God. Let me say that again. We have mistaken, especially those of you who are very, very practical, task-oriented. You really need to listen up. We have uh, mistaken being busy for God as being quality time spent with God. In other words, we have learned to worship work rather than worshiping the God who gave us the work. Spiritual maturity is not about work. Now, I want that to sink in for a moment because some of us have, come, have adopted a way of thinking that the more busy you are, the more spiritual you are. Not the case at all. Spiritual maturity is not about work. It's about growing in your affection and in your love for God. Now, Jesus made a reference to this to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. He said to them, and this is Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read, I'm going to start in verse number 2. Jesus says this, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and you have patience, and you have labored. Everybody say labored. You have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I listen to that and I think to myself, I say, okay, God, that's the perfect church. Jesus, what's the problem? What's the complaint? I mean, hey, I've labored, I persevered, I do all these wonderful things. And Jesus said, nevertheless, I have something against you. You've lost or you have left your first love. What does this mean? More than anything else, Jesus wants you. All right. So let me, let me see. We are called, for example, now let me just say this. We are called to work and serve God with our gifts and talents. So this is not a sermon saying that we shouldn't work. 
But it is saying, though, that those works should flow out of a life that is saturated with the power and the glory of God. And here's what happens, and here's the imbalance alert. When we focus more on the task and not loving God, being in his presence, allowing him to transform us from the inside out, then we fall out of balance and we head toward empty. Then you will have a period of unhappiness marked by confusion. Oftentimes our tiredness is a result of a depleted spirit that hasn't been nourished properly in the presence of God. It's a task or in a Christianity that lacks intimacy with God. Hear me now. Stay with me. So oftentimes, running on empty is a sign of a lack of intimacy with God. And sometimes we will, we will do everything we can. I mean, we'll keep running around doing this and doing that. And all the while, God is sitting there saying, you're going from point A to point B, but you're not spending time with me. Now, I'm going to show you what I mean when I, when I talk about intimacy and spending time with Jesus. We're, we're gonna, I'm going to show you that here in a moment. Just stay with me. So I want you to think about it. Jesus was very busy. Very busy. Um, now, Here's the cop out, and here's what everybody liked to say. Well, pastor, Jesus was God. Yes, he was. But let me, but if you're theologically correct, you understand that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. That's why the Bible says that Jesus can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he was 100% man. He experienced the same things that we go through in the flesh, and yet he responded differently than we. Jesus now, watch. Jesus is our example in terms of this is what Jesus always said, follow me. You know, the disciples want to know how to do it. Jesus was a 100 percent man. He was saying, look, I'm a man. What you need to do is pattern your life after me. Watch me. I never saw a place in the Bible. And the Bible said that Jesus was so busy. Hear me. Jesus was so busy that there's a verse in the Bible said that Jesus didn't even have time to sit down and eat. Many of us don't have those kind of issues because we figure out a way to eat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Jesus was so busy. Man, I mean, he, I mean, it was just people was constantly coming at him all the time. And you never saw a place where Jesus says, oh, I'm just tired. Okay, I just need to put it down, find something else. What was his secret? And don't cop out and say, oh, he was God. He was a man as well as God. What, how did Jesus do what he did to the extent that he did it, never complaining, never fussing about it, never getting upset about it, never watching what other people are doing and, and developing a bitter attitude? How did Jesus do it? Here it is. Jesus' strength in ministry came from his very deep and robust prayer life. And listen to this. I want you to listen to these verses. It's so important. All you see, listen, say amen. This is important. This is so important. Listen to this. In Mark 135, I'm going to say some of these verses, and I want you to write them down if you want. I don't know if I gave them all to the media department. But the Mark 135, now in the morning, having risen a long while before day, he went out, departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. In other words, 
Before Jesus did any work, before he stepped out of his house, he would get up. The Bible says oftentimes, I mean, uh, rise up early in the morning. And what was he doing? He was engaging with God. He was talking to God. He was needing a sense of direction. I'm not talking about this Lord just bless my day as we go kind of thing. I'm talking about Jesus made sure to spend some quality time in the presence of God. Mark 6, 45 through 46. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. Now, here he is in the middle of the day. He's working. And the Bible says that he sent the disciples. He said, I'll tell you what, uh, do me a favor. Uh, Once you go over on the other side, I will meet you there. In the meantime, in the meantime, Jesus slipped away. I want you all y'all still staying with me. Say amen. Jesus slipped away to pray. Watch this. He didn't slip away to pick up another activity. He didn't slip away to try to figure out why am I not happy. He, he slipped away to get with God. Are y'all hearing this? Luke 4, 42. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, quiet place. Watch this, church. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Jesus had a high premium on spending time in the presence of God to the degree that he went to a deserted place, a quiet place. And a lot of times people were looking for him. He put down, if I, if I can't, if I could, Indulge me for a moment, but he put down his cell phone. He turned off his email, his text messages, and he says, I need to spend some time. He needed to get filled. He needed energy that wasn't going to come from him. It had to come from above. Y'all staying with me. Luke 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness. Often. This wasn't a, a, a one-time thing where Jesus kind of got up in the morning, said his prayer, and then lived the rest of his day just doing whatever, whatever. And then, okay, oh, yeah, that's right, God. No, 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 no. The Bible says he often, in other words, that during, throughout the course of the day, he would often just kind of skip away and connect with his daddy. Oh, this is going to help somebody immensely. And then it says in Luke 6, 12, now it came to pass in those days, because how I many know there are, but depending on the level of what you're dealing with, depending on the level of activity in your life that's going to challenge you, in those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. Have you ever spent all night praying? We spent all night watching TV. We spent all night doing other things. But have you ever spent all night in prayer? And, and I would surmise, you know, watch this. Listen to me. Jesus didn't stop working. He never stopped. He never stopped working. He just kept drawing his power from God to do the thing that God had called him to do. He was in constant communication with God. We pick and we choose what to do based on how we feel rather than the leading of the spirit. Because honestly, for too many of us, we don't know how to hear the spirit. 
because we're not intimate enough. We haven't developed a kind of intimacy. So, so we get saved. We tell people we get saved. We tell people we need to get involved. But what we don't tell people is that first, the first thing is you got to be intimate. You need to know him. You need to get into his presence. You need to know him first. Work later. See, we put the we, we flip the thing around. I Man, you need to get busy, get busy, 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 busy. And then you have people working, but they're they're not drawing from the power of God. They're drawing from their own knowledge, their own strength, and the intimacy level with God is very low. Some of you sitting in this room, you've been saved for a minute, but your intimacy level is low. You don't even know if you're hearing from God. It's not an indictment, but this is God giving us, God is helping us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says this. Now I want you to stay with me. He says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden." He says, "Come where?" What did he say? Come to. Come on, church. You got to work with me. What did he say? Come. He says, "Come to who? Me." This is Jesus. He says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, "Come to me." Look. Not to Jack Daniels, not to drugs, watch this, not to cigarettes, not to Popeyes, not to uh, uh, chocolate cake, y'all saying with me, not to vacation, not to a football game, not to sex, but here's the problem. The reason I mention all the things is because we look to those things for fulfillment. Jesus says, come to me. In other words, come to get to know me. Come in my presence. Be saturated with me. Come to me. Stop running around picking up activity after activity and, and being busy and being busy. And just come to me. You went on the vacation and you come back and you are still upset. Your joy is a but for a moment, and there you are again, crashing and burning, and I need. And so then you say, well, I ain't going to do anything. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do it because I need some me time. What is me time? Last I checked, you were dead. And know what the scripture says? You are dead. You don't, there is no such thing as me. Colossians. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Here's what I'm trying to get y'all to see. This is a life-changing message. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. We have come to a place, men, where we, we honor, where, where, where the devil has pulled the wool over our eyes. He tells us, oh, man, you just need a break. You need a movie. You need this. You need drugs. You need sex. You need food. You need a vacation. You need all these things. But you never come to G. You never, ever get to a place where you're satisfied with him. I just need a break. It's nothing wrong with taking a break. But I want you to understand something, church. We aren't going to find fulfillment, any lasting fulfillment in any of that stuff. And watch. Jesus says, now take my yoke upon you. See, this speaks of intimacy. See, whenever you get yoked up to something, you know, when you get yoked up to the yoker, in this case it's Jesus. How many of you get yoked up? You go where he go. You do what he say. You do what he's, I mean, you just follow. You know, whatever he goes, you go. Whatever he do, you do. Why? Because you're yoked. You're yoked. Now, here's what Jesus said. Now, here's the key. Come to me 
And the invitation, watch this, is to all those who are heavy laden. In other words, tired. <laughs> Anybody want your medicine this morning? I'm giving you your medicine. Amen. You don't even have to pay for this, brother, sister. Amen. I'm giving it to you. He said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. So if you're laden and you're heavy laden, you're tired, Jesus said, okay, here's what he Come to me. So that begs the gift. so people come out of the world, get saved. Because they're in the world and they're tired. The world been beating them up and they come in the kingdom of God. And then you're supposed to get beat up all over again and just be still be tired. So, how many know the devil is a lie? He's stealing. He's stealing from you. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke. See, this speaks of intimacy. Y'all know what it means to be intimate? It's a term that speaks of deep closeness. He says, take my yoke upon you. Get connected to me. Follow me. He says, and then he goes, he says, and learn from me. Study my life. Live like me. Look at me. Do it like I did. Learn from me. And then he says, you will find, here's the key. Here's what he said. He says, then you'll find rest for your souls. But the rest doesn't come until you first come to him. Stop looking for other things and activities and start looking to him. When's the last time you spent 30 minutes, an hour, Two hours, just you being in the presence of God, just worshiping him, loving him, talking to him, opening up your heart to him, just away from everything. And when's the last time you've done that? That is the most important thing because work becomes fun when it flows out of that, a relationship that is, that is bathed in deep intimacy with God. Jesus says, I'm gentle and I'm lowly at heart. He says, I'm gentle and I'm lowly at heart. And he says, you will find the rest that you're looking for. So Jesus is telling us, he says, if you come to me, if you learn to seek me, if you learn to love me more than anything else, that's what he really is getting at. When you learn to do that, you will find fulfillment in your life. John 7, 37 says this on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, come to me if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're at a place where you feel like your back is up against the wall, that is your cue to get into his presence. Mm -mm -mm. John 15 verses 4 and 5 Jesus says abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I'm the vine you're the branches he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit for without me you can do nothing <laughs> this verse is not just about salvation 
It is rooted in authentic discipleship. Abide in me has to do with staying consistent. It means remaining. The problem we have is we're not consistent enough. We go through seasons where we're with God and we're praying and we're talking to him. We're letting him in on things. Then there's times that, that we're not. And we'll go sometimes weeks, days, months busy for God, thinking all the while, man, I'm doing, a, man, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. I'm going to show you something here in a moment. See, abiding has to do with consistency. See, how many know that the branch gets its source from the vine? As long as the branch is connected to the vine, then it will have what it needs in order to do what it does. Jesus said it this way, you will bear much fruit. It's God's will that you and me be fruitful. It's God's will. So it brings us down to our main text here in Luke chapter 10. We've read this verse probably, I don't know, a hundred times or more. We've heard about it at least another hundred times if you've been saved for any length of time. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they were brothers and sisters and Jesus had a a very, very intimate relationship with them. Uh, he loved them. The scripture says he loved them deeply. And so uh, Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, everybody say Martha. Martha invited Jesus to her house. Now I'm going to say that again. Martha invited Jesus to her house. Let me say this again. Martha invited Jesus to her house. Now it happened in verse 38, as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him. Martha, Martha, welcome Jesus into her house. But as we read this passage, there's a couple of things that jumps out at me is that, that while Jesus comes into the house and immediately Mary is, she is just, she's taken. She is so taken that all she can do, all she can do is watch him. And as soon as he comes in, she's in awe. And she just sits down at his feet. And she just listens to him. And you can see her just looking at him like, wow, wow. This Jesus is in my house. Jesus is here. And she stopped everything because at that moment, she had eyes for nothing else. Jesus, he's here. And the scripture says she just sat there at his feet. But the Bible gives a contrast. It says, but Martha was distracted with what? Work. Serving. How can you be distracted with much serving when Jesus has just walked into your house? How can that be, church? Because in her mind... She was thinking that Jesus is more pleased with her work than he is with her. 
Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me show you, let me show what I'm talking about here. Because some of you still, you still not getting it. See, Martha rather work. See, she rather work than to sit there and spend time with Jesus. And before you in your pious attitude begin to condemn Martha, how often do you do it? How often do you do more work? If you ask yourself the question, do I spend more time working for God or spend more time in his presence loving him? Which one? Which one do you do? Boy. It's no wonder that you run on empty because you're designed to, your, your work is designed to flow out of a deep intimacy with him. And if that is missing, then at some point, what's going to happen is your intimacy level, your, 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 your work is going to come to a place where it's going to be a boredom. You're going to come to a place where you're going to be frustrated. You're going to come to a place where you're not going to be happy. You're going to come to a place where you're going to be confused. And, and if nothing else, you'll still sit there with that broom and you'll keep on working. And, and let me tell you this, church, the evidence that Martha was drained. Watch this. Martha is tired. She's drained. She's tired. She's a man. She got that thing going. I mean, man, she, it, 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 there's a lot of Christians that way. They, listen, they are tired, but they still work. But they're tired. They're working, but you're tired. The evidence that Martha was drained was that she became people-focused rather than God-focused. Now watch this. That here it is. You would think that Mary sitting at Jesus' feet would have provoked Martha to sit her butt down. But like I said, Christians, we worship work rather than worship enemies of God. We'd rather do that. Because somewhere in our psyche, we feel more spiritual if we do a lot of work for God Versus getting to know him and learning to love him. So in her mind, she, she's there and she's upset and she says to Jesus, Jesus. I mean, the Bible scripture says she approached him. You, you can, in other words, you can see the whole time. Now, she was so distracted. Y'all listen to me say amen. Come on. She was so distracted that you would think that, that, that what, when Jesus come in the house, that she would keep her eyes and her focus on who? Jesus. But who is she looking at the whole time? Come on, church. Who is Martha looking at the whole time? She's looking at Mary. Are you kidding me? She is so much in the flesh. Are y'all hearing this? She is so much in the flesh that she is looking at Mary. In other words, church, she don't even see Jesus. I mean, no, there are a lot of Christians like that. They're working and they're mad in the flesh and they're mad at people because people ain't doing this and people ain't doing that. They don't even see Jesus. All you see is that joker didn't do A, B, C, D. E, F, G. All of that. But Mary, she just watched. She just sat there. And she just enjoyed his presence. So what do I mean when I say spend time with Jesus and, and draw from him? When I say spending time with Jesus, yes, it's talking to him in prayer. But it is sharing your deepest fears, your, your, your pains, your hurts, your, your concerns. It's talking to him 
during the day and throughout the day, you're communicating. Yes, it's reading his word, but sometimes it's just doing nothing but sitting in his presence and saying, God, speak to me. It's worshiping him. It's loving him. It's communicating with him. It's saying, God, I love you so much. When's the last time you got to a point where you said, God, I just love you so much? Has that ever happened? No, because I got work to do. Pastor Vissi, that's spiritual, right? How is that working for you? You were made for intimacy with God. Don't put the cart before the horse. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Many of us, that's exactly what we have done. And you can feel the tension. You don't even, we don't even see her, but if you, you can even feel all the tension in Martha. Can't you feel it? Can't you feel how mad she is? I mean, I mean, if she walked in the room, can't you, she, but, but she'd just be a magnet for anger. She'll attract everything mad because she just, you can feel. I mean, Martha's sitting there. <laughs> Don't even see. I mean, you got the Lord of glory. You got the king of kings in your house. And she, all she can do is sit there with all this negative energy. There are, how many know that there are many people that are saved, but they're unhappy? How does that happen? How do you get saved and you live your life unhappy? I don't get that. It's not what God wants us to be. Our work, pastor's not, listen, pastor's not saying don't work. Pastor says let your work flow out of a life of intimacy with God first. And then your work will be much more fruitful. We put work before intimacy, and that's what's draining our spirits. It's not the work. It's not necessarily the thing that you're doing. It's the fact that it could be anything that you're doing. If you put it before intimacy with God, at some point, you're going to be like that analogy I gave earlier. You're going to start running on empty. Because, and, and watch, and what did Jesus do over and over again? Jesus just kept on going all the time. He kept talking to God. He kept drawing. Why, why was he spending all this time with God? Because he needed that in order to do what he did. I mean, no, the we're no different. He says to Martha, he says, Martha, you are troubled and you're worried about a lot of things. Can I just say this? Martha's mean well. If, this, if I rung your bell today, if the Lord rung your bell, you mean well. I mean, you, you got a good heart. You mean well, but you haven't been taught this. Martha's are some of the most faithful people you'll ever meet in your life. Martha's, you can depend on Martha's. Martha's, they are workers. But if the Martha's are not careful, they will begin to worship their work rather than worshiping the God that gave them the work. And then your spirit will start to get drained, and then you'll be off again looking for a new fix. And the problem was never the work. You know that one scripture in the Bible says, ever learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. God will let you walk around that mountain a hundred times until you realize when he, all he's saying is, you need to come here. 
can you stop running over here and over there? And will you just come and just sit down, look at my daughter Mary, be a Mary, sit down, Martha, sit. Look who's in the room. I'm your fulfillment. And now, church, understand something. Could you imagine after Mary has spent all that? Now think about Martha sitting there mad as all get up in the flesh. She's angry. She's mad. And, 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 and you can imagine that, that just to think with me, just imagine for a moment that when, 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 when Mary finally got up and Jesus left, what kind of condition do you think her spirit was in? You, I would say it was a whole lot better than Martha, won't it? Now, Mary now had just spent time in his presence, and I bet you now, brother, any work that she does, she would be singing and praising. I just spent, I just in the presence of God, and ain't nothing you can do to make that woman unhappy because she just left the presence of God. So now, any work that she does, bring it on, it doesn't matter. I'm full of joy. I got all that I need. Now I can serve and serve with the right heart and the right attitude because I've been in the presence of the Lord. I cannot see Mary getting up after being there mad and in the flesh and angry because she had just spent time with the master. Finally, Jesus said to her, come on out, brother. Finally, Jesus said to her, I'm not going to stop Mary. Because, you know, after all, it, it doesn't feel right. It, it, you know, from a human perspective, <clears throat> from a human perspective, from a human perspective, she need to be helping me in this work. But because of what Mary was doing, Jesus says, let her alone. Because Mary was prioritizing him. So Mary wasn't just out doing anything. Mary was prioritizing him. Because of that, Jesus says she chosen the good part. Leave her alone. She's right where she needs to be. Church, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is, you know, I, I was preparing this message and I thought to myself, and I, I, I've learned this years ago, but for anybody that served God for any length of time, you could find yourself, if you don't spend time on a regular basis, loving God and when I say loving God I'm, you got to cultivate intimacy with him you have to cultivate it it has to be something that you learn and perhaps that's why you're struggling to do certain things perhaps that's why you get upset because you're not there yet you're not you haven't cultivated intimacy yet because you're still thinking in the back of your mind you need Jesus and you need Jesus and her I need Jesus and him. I need Jesus and the bottle. I need Jesus and the drugs. I need Jesus and the football. I need Jesus and the chocolate cake. Y'all getting me? And none of those things are ever going to fulfill you. None of them. All it does is put a patch on it and it keeps you satisfied. But for a moment and you'll find yourself right back where you are. So what do we learn from this today? It's about loving Jesus and not working for him. We work for Jesus, but it's, it's 
flows out of our love for him. So we love first, work second. Look at your name and say, love first, work second. Love first, work second. You will experience more joy when loving Jesus becomes your focus. Right there. When loving Jesus becomes your focus. Yeah, that's it. You'll hear from him better. You'll discern from him better. You'll be so fulfilled in your heart. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.